Welcome to GovIT, a monthly podcast series from DLT, where we discuss the next generation of public sector IT solutions with the technology innovators driving the change. I'm your host, Tom Temin. Each month, we explore a different technology, what it is, and how it can help public sector organizations achieve their modernization goals and accomplish their missions. In this episode, we're sitting down with Adam Clater, Chief Architect of Red Hat's North America Public Sector Organization. We'll discuss the open hybrid cloud and its uses in federal agencies. Adam, good to have you with us today. Tom, always a pleasure. Thank you. Apparently, COVID, we are now learning, was a catalyst for cloud adoption by the government speeding up what was already policy and the trend for many years. What do you think is next now for all of this? You know, it's important to understand that COVID changed so many things, right? Like uh, common technologies that we're using today, like Zoom, we'd never even heard of before COVID. And so what has happened as a result of that is, yes, cloud absolutely came into a prominence for the federal government. And we started using a variety of services like video teleconferencing and other collaboration tools that we really didn't have access to before we weren't using Remote access became ubiquitous, but I think there's a more important change, and that's the one around the people, because at the end of the day, these were just tools that people were using to get their job done. And so when we think about the changes that people have experienced, we've seen a lot more flexibility of of work, right? So whether it's where you are, when you're working, where you're working from, it's a massive amount of flexibility. And I think the expectations of our users in the federal government have changed along with that. And so no longer is it going to be really palatable for a government agency to say, oh, you know what, we're taking an outage on XYZ application at this time of day, or we're doing this at that other time of day, because you now have people in this flexibility of time and this flexibility of place who could be working in a variety of time zones, working at a variety of tasks. And so I think the quality and availability of applications that the federal government is going to be building uh, is going to change pretty dramatically, right? As they start to build services on clouds, their users are going to expect that cloud-like experience. The good news, though, I think, is that for the federal workforce, they really opened up the aperture greatly on who can be part of that federal workforce. So we've got a much more diverse uh, ability to recruit and hire people. No longer are you limited to just searching within your own zip code for folks to help solve problems. And so I think that's been a huge benefit. And we'll see how that continues to change the face of government and government IT as we move along. All right. And switching gears, we first had the term cloud, then we had hybrid cloud, now open hybrid cloud. And that plays into the open source model, I'm presuming. And how does this all differ from the previous cloud models? You know, as we think about the first wave of cloud consumption, we saw basically a switch from in-house virtualization to outsourced virtualization. I had infrastructure as a service within my data center. I'm now buying infrastructure as a service in someone else's data center. And with that, there was a lot of like lift and shift kind of activities. There were, there were actually CIOs who really thumped their chest. I was the first to the cloud. I lifted and shifted everything into the cloud. To be quite honest, that was much more akin to like a managed services move, right? You were really going and buying a managed services contract from the 90s. It just happened to be signed by a cloud provider who's going to be delivering that service. In the second wave, as we've matured in our cloud consumption model, we're now beginning to write applications and consume technologies in clouds that are much more of that cloud native focus, right? So these are actually built for clouds. But as you diversify that portfolio, and and that's gonna happen for a variety of reasons. You may find that based on your mission, you need to move something to a particular cloud. 
you may find based on your budget, you need to move something to a particular cloud. And so those decisions are being made, I think, already. But what we're also seeing is now we're seeing acquisition and legislation saying, hey, you can't just buy one cloud, you need to buy multiple clouds. And so that's cool because, you know, the promise of cloud is like this always on opportunity to use technologies. However, we're not quite at the point where, you know, if you or I went down to the local uh, super center or whatever, we bought a television, we'd come home and we'd just plug that into our power and we'd start watching TV. Uh, but today you can't quite do that with a cloud. If you start to think about writing an application, the first thing you're saying is, well, what cloud are we going to be in? Because I need to know because I need to understand how that cloud implements X, Y, and Z. I need to know there are differences between each of these clouds. So solving that problem in this new space where whether it be mission, budget, legislative, et cetera, where I have to now use multiple clouds, well, that, that's actually quite a different problem, right? And so for Red Hat, um, Red Hat tries to be the thing that stays the same so that everything around us can change. We bring a little bit of stability to chaos and so right now we see multiple cloud providers as being chaos and the way that Red Hat is going to help out our, our partners and the federal government, state and local, is by bringing some stability to that and, and normalizing those interfaces with our platform called OpenShift, which is based on Kubernetes and containerization and all of those things. So architecting applications in a way to take advantage of those multiple clouds. That's really what open hybrid cloud is all about. And so draw the line for us between open source, which people think of mainly in, in the development sense, tie that to the hybrid cloud for us and how does it all wrap up? That's, that's great. And thanks for getting back to that because that's an important point, Tom. Open source communities are fundamentally the drivers of innovation in the technology space today. We see this, whether it be, you know, what's going on with uh, virtualization now, most of the large cloud providers are using open source technologies, APIs, API management, languages, frameworks, but even machine learning and artificial intelligence, all of these things are happening in open source communities primarily, and then moving up and into that. And so, you know, we recognize at Red Hat that all of these clouds are basically built on open source technologies, but their interfaces haven't stayed uh, necessarily compatible with one another. Like the open source communities are maniacal about using open standards, but we're not seeing necessarily open standards across all of those clouds. And so we're bringing that openness of being able to say, hey, we're going to use open source technologies to tie these clouds together. We're going to worry about abstracting you away from those implementations. And so you're going to be able to run anything that's coming out of basically anywhere, because it's all going to be able to run on Linux or Kubernetes. Uh, and, and so that's kind of the approach, right, is using those open technologies to tie them together. Yeah, so that helps people avoid developing shelfware because they can't host it somewhere once it's developed. Oh, oh, certainly. I mean, can you imagine building an application within your data center or even on your laptop and then having to do that migration effort of moving it into a cloud and saying, oh, my gosh, we have to refactor half of our application to be able to use it. The reality is now, because we have these implementations and these open standards and abstractions, you can build an application on almost a Raspberry Pi, to be quite honest, and move that into your largest cloud provider and deploy it there. Or believe it or not, at the Department of Energy, they're doing this exact thing. They're developing machine learning models in one small cluster and then deploying them on the largest supercomputers in the world because we are able to give them that level 
of transportability. Then what should agencies be doing? And I think you gave us a clue to that in the way the energy is going about, energy department is going about that. How can agencies get the most of the open and the hybrid and the cloud? And maybe a little bit about how Red Hat helps them do that. It's super exciting for Red Hat because, you know, if we, and I'm a huge sort of student of the history of technology. I, I, I don't know if I'm old enough to really have seen much of the history, but when I started doing Linux in the late 90s, I used Red Hat Linux because it was the Unix that I could get sort of that I could use at home, right? And it was a great way to learn things. And that's what Red Hat really did is Red Hat came into the data center with Red Hat Enterprise Linux, and we were able to compete with the likes of Sun Microsystems and HPUX and AIX and all of the other Unixes that were out there and sort of normalize that in the data center. And there was this great revolution that came about where you know, it used to be you would buy a piece of hardware, you would pay for the operating system, you would pay for your compiler, you would pay for your web server, every piece of core functionality you wanted on that, you paid to your hardware vendor because they owned that entire stack. Now, Red Hat Enterprise Linux comes in and we're able to say, hey, you've got an x86 box running Intel chips here today. Today it's running uh, Windows, but tomorrow it could be running Linux and you get to make that decision however you want. And by the way, you can buy that from Dell or you can buy it from HP or Compaq or however you want it. And so that sort of story, that motion is the same thing we're doing now, right? We're just doing it in the cloud. And so I think by working with companies like Red Hat, we kind of uh, help them to maintain that independence from their cloud so that A, they don't get locked in, but also so that I think you can get a lot more value out of clouds when you've got those abstraction layers and you're not rewriting implementations over and over and over again. So it's kind of the same thing we've always done. We've just taken it to a newer paradigm. Well, you're not old enough to have used punch cards for your bookmarks, at least. We can say that. No, sir. All right. And how can this open hybrid cloud approach also optimize the IT organization itself? Because people need to keep up with what the technology is. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a lot of focus of cloud, right, is we want to move sort of the the grunt work of IT operations, we want to outsource that to our cloud providers. And so that when we think about this, what I like to call the long tail of O&M, right? Once you deploy something, you've got a staff, uh, multiple generations of people effectively to manage that infrastructure, to support that application. And so if we can get government agencies out of that business and retool those people or refocus those people on focusing much more on their mission, solving, you know, how do we deliver healthcare via CMS and other things? How do we enable the warfighter to focus on their job and not on IT? If we can do that, I think that's a great thing. But the real value in my mind is that what we're trying to do is make our government agencies more efficient and make them better at delivering on their mission. So part of that's the people, part of that's refocusing, uh, but that's sort of a, a North Star for us is that's that's really the focus. And for agencies embarking on this journey or maybe at a crossroads in it and they need to go somewhere next step for their cloud implementations, what are some of the pitfalls to avoid so that they get there in a straight line? Yeah, absolutely, Tom. So, you know, I, I, I jokingly mentioned uh, lift and shift operations at, at the top of the call. And to be honest, there are places for things like lift and shift. If you've got a data center that's coming off of lease and you've got to get all of your stuff out of there, otherwise you've got a massive lease payment you're going to pay and you migrate all that into a, a, you know, an environment in the cloud. Well, I think that's a great use for that. But I do think that if we start to just kind of bulk move our workloads into the cloud and we're not taking advantage of 
sort of the inherent automation in that cloud of being able to spin things up and spin them down, resize dynamically according to our workload, then I think that's a pretty big pitfall where we've seen agencies go into clouds, have major, major bills, and then pull those workloads out of those clouds and say, we've got to, we've got to rethink how we're doing this. And so I think that's, that's the thing to think about the most is, is to be intentional about your workload moves where you can. Again, I understand sometimes you have to just move something into the cloud. There needs to be a plan though later on for, all right, we're gonna refactor this or re-swizzle how this application is working to take real advantage of the value in the cloud that exists beyond that sort of infrastructure as a service migration. Adam Clater is the chief architect of Red Hat North America Public Sector. Thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely, Tom. Thanks for everyone who made this happen and uh, look forward to hearing the other podcasts you're doing. For more on open hybrid cloud, visit redhat.com forward slash gov. You've been listening to GovIT from DLT. We'll be back soon with more public sector IT content. I'm Tom Temin.